Hello everyone, I'm Sylvia Perez and welcome to our first ABC7 webcast. This time we're going to be dealing with women and heart disease. It's a subject that needs to be talked about because it's a disease that often goes misdiagnosed and women don't think that they are susceptible to this, even though it is the number one killer of women. And we are joined by Dr. Annabelle Volgman, who is with Rush University Medical Center. She was featured in our piece last night, and we had asked our viewers, Dr. Volgman, to write some questions in that they might have. And I have to say, we have been inundated, which I know makes you happy because this is something that you've been involved with all your life. You're all about women and heart disease, yet you felt like people weren't listening. That's right. We started the American Heart Association asked me to co-chair a luncheon for women in heart disease and this was six years ago and back then when I would tell people that women have risk for heart disease and it's their number one killer, a lot of women would look at me like, no it's not, it's breast cancer. So I think it's come a long way. I think people are now realizing that, hey, we need to pay attention to this problem and it's only now that it's getting more attention and I'm so glad about that. Well, that's great because we have a lot of questions from women, personal questions and just in general. So let's start with the most basic question I think we need to, and that is what are the symptoms or the signs of heart disease? And this comes from Antoinette in Chicago. Well, interestingly, there was a study done by nurses of women, a thousand women who had heart attacks. They asked them a month before, what were your symptoms? And 47% of them was, said that fatigue was their mm -hmm. symptom that they felt was different. So fatigue is so... So, so general, frequent, right. so general, mm -hmm. so um, uh, you know, non-specific. So it's really hard to say, I'm going to the doctor because I'm tired. But you know right. what? That is something that we need to look at, look into. If if you all of a sudden feel just so tired and there's no good reason for it, it might be time to go to the doctor to get that checked out. So the last symptom that these women reported was actually chest pain. Women, for some reason, don't like to say they have chest pain. And my patients are, are just like this. I go, no, doctor, I don't have chest pain. It's a discomfort. It's a, it's a heaviness. But they don't like to use the word pain. Maybe we have a different way of describing heart attack symptoms. Maybe it's not chest pain. But for the most part, anyone who's presenting with a heart attack will have some kind of chest symptoms. They will feel heaviness. They will feel some discomfort in their chest. We talked about that last night in our special segment, but uh, maybe the chest pain being the lower part of, of the symptoms that these yeah. women say they have, but also anxiety, cold yes. sweats, uh, exactly. maybe uh, stomach problems, nausea, which often is the reason why it's misdiagnosed as indigestion. That's and right. one of the interesting things, when we interviewed uh, these women in the support group at an Aurora, they brought up something that when I was looking in the literature and doing my research for the story, I did not find. And that was jaw pain and uh, pressure, and one woman even spoke of, of an ear infection. So that brought us to this question from June in Evanston. Thanks, for, uh, June, for writing this question. She said uh, that she saw a piece last night, but it didn't talk about the jaw pressure and pain. She said she wouldn't have gone to the hospital otherwise because her chest pain was minimal, that she had tingling hands, but it hardly bothered her. It was the jaw and the pressure pain that was the worst, and she chose to ignore it. Is that common? It's not um, that common, but it is definitely. Doctors are taught that jaw pain is definitely a possible sign of heart attack. So that if you have some kind of chest sensation and it's radiating to the neck or the jaw, that's a very common presentation that we're supposed to be looking for. It usually goes down to the left arm, and if it goes to the back, we have to think of other things. So I think just to you know, make sure that you're not having a heart attack, it's always good to ask your doctor and present your doctor with your risk factors and, and let them know that you're concerned about this because if the doctor isn't really that um, vigilant about looking for risk factors, he may not, he or she may not look for these mm -hmm. things. So we, you need to be, the patients need to be their own advocate. We had a town hall meeting last week at the American Heart Association, Go Red for Women, and what I noticed is that the doctors who were there, when they were asked, what it is we need to make changes to, to decrease the heart attacks in women, they all said the patients have to make the changes. And I was always, yes, I was always thinking the doctors also need to make some changes. But, you know, the doctors are looking to their patients to make the changes in their lifestyle. They need to eat better. They need mm -hmm. to know their risk factors. They need to go to the doctor to know what their blood pressure is and what their cholesterol levels are. 
And when we talk about cholesterol, don't just ask what the total cholesterol is. This is one thing I would like to impart to all women. You need, we need to empower these women to know not just what their total cholesterol is, but what their HDL cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, and triglycerides. I'll give you a lot of examples. Okay. In, my, in the Heart Center for Women, a lot of my patients will say, oh no, my doctor told me that my, my cholesterol is low. Mm -hmm. But when I look at their numbers, the reason why their numbers are low is because their good cholesterol is low, which puts them actually at risk for a heart attack. So don't be pacified by a low total cholesterol number. Please get your HDL cholesterol checked. But when women get these cholesterol testing, uh, when they get the testing done, uh, is it broken down from that way? Are they taught this is how you should read this? Well, they need to specify lipid panel, not just total cholesterol. If you just get a general blood test and it doesn't specify lipid panel, then you're just going to get the total cholesterol. And as you know, we're doing that sister-to-sister -sister event tomorrow. Right. If mm -hmm. the women, if, if some of you are coming to the event tomorrow, please come fasting so that we could check your fasting lipid panel instead of just uh, a falsely elevated number. Because okay, we mention, don't want to mislead the people. I should mention for people who don't know, that's the sister-to-sister -sister health fair. That's tomorrow at the Merchandise Mart. And there's free health screenings. It's a great place for women to go to learn about heart disease. And I think we talked before about how important it is if you want to get your uh, testing done, do the fasting, as Dr. Volgman was saying, because I think a lot of women are going to come and they're going to have breakfast, and yeah. that's going to throw it off. Don't have breakfast before you come. Okay. You can have breakfast there. Okay, yeah, eat there because there will be food there, right? Right. Okay, uh, let's see. This next question is from Eileen from Lombard, and she wants to know what kind of tests do you need to have done on a yearly basis for your heart? Good question. I think that everyone has their blood pressure checked. When you go to the doctor, they always check your blood pressure. They always check your pulse, their temperature and your respiratory rate and then they examine you but what not everybody gets is a cholesterol level any adult man or woman should know their cholesterol level again the total cholesterol plus the hdl ldl and triglycerides if the doctor doesn't check it then demand to know what those numbers are if the numbers are good and you have no changes in the way your lifestyle is it can be checked maybe every three to five years. But if the numbers are bad, you're not going to ignore it. That doctor has to treat you, whether it's changing your lifestyle, counseling you and your diet, and probably sending you to a nutritionist because you know doctors are not good about nutrition. They don't know much about nutrition, to tell you the truth. So that's why I have a nutritionist at the Heart Center for Women because they study this and they can better um, counsel my patients about nutrition. Uh, here's a question from Ava from Elgin. She wants to know, do women need to take aspirin? And if they don't, why? Okay. Um, this is an excellent question. Um, in the 1980s, there was a physician's health study that was done by Harvard on men, male doctors. So we knew back in the 1980s that males over 40 should be taking probably two baby aspirins a day to decrease their risk of heart attacks. There was a slight increase in bleeding strokes, so we have to always um, you know, take precaution. But the women were not studied, so for many decades we didn't know what to say to the women because a lot of the studies were all observational studies. They were not randomized good studies to really uh, make any good recommendation. Well, just last year, April 2005, there have been two big studies done for women in aspirin. And what they found was that women 45 to 64 years of age, if they take 50 milligrams, not even a baby dose, but a 50 milligram dose, they have saw a 15% decrease in strokes, but no change in heart attacks. Over the age of 65, and these are women who have never had a heart attack or stroke. So this is okay. primary prevention. Healthy women? Healthy women okay. preventing their first heart attack mm -hmm. or stroke. So the, and this is what we want to do. Mm -hmm. We want to prevent their first heart attack and stroke because that could kill them. The first one could kill them. Um, so we want to prevent it. So 50 milligrams over the age of 65, it decreased the risk of heart attacks and strokes by almost 30%. So for women over 65 years old, if they can take aspirin, mm -hmm. 50 milligrams a day is the right dose. Unfortunately, Bayer and St. Joseph's and other manufacturers have not 
made that dose yet. So hopefully that will be coming okay. um, very soon. Which brings me to, and I think we should probably clarify this, uh, we don't want anybody watching our webcast to, to just go off and do these things on their own. Oh, yeah. What advice yeah, do you have please. for people watching? You know, whatever you're going to do, if, even if you take um, supplements, those have side effects. I just took care of a woman who was in her late 50s, and she was um, having some kinds of back problems, and she didn't have any energy, so her doctor put her on some energy pills. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, she was having ventricular arrhythmias, potentially lethal arrhythmias. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. And when we asked her what, she was, what, was she, what was she doing differently, she was taking these energy pills. And for some reason, I think it really um, exacerbated an underlying substrate in her heart that made her heart go into this potentially lethal arrhythmias. And she required a catheter ablation that got rid of the arrhythmias. And she's okay. doing fine now. But So even if you're just taking supplements, you have to tell your doctor what these supplements are because it could potentially cause a problem and don't take anything heart. without checking with your doctor first Absolutely. even after watching this yeah. webcast today right? right okay let's we're going to take a few personal questions too that we saw in here that we thought might be of interest because i think it applies to a lot of women who will be watching this is from cheryl in indiana she says my question is my father died of a heart attack at 41 my mother's mother had a couple of strokes and died at the age of 51 what test should I have? I am now 41 years old. Two years ago, I had a stress test, and it was good. But should I do any other testing? And then she says, by the way, my mother died at 63 with colon cancer. Okay, very good question. First of all, every adult should be doing exercise um, to be heart healthy and to decrease your risk of colon cancer. By being physically active, you can actually decrease your risk of colon cancer by 50%. So cancers are preventable. So you know, I tell my patients all the time, I'm not only decreasing your risk of heart disease, I'm decreasing your risk of cancer. That's okay. been shown in many different kinds of cancer. So, so my first advice to her is make sure she's doing her share of preventing both kinds of diseases. Okay, and the what? The other thing, yes. I'm sorry, no, go ahead and finish. The other thing that she needs is probably an advanced cardiac lipid panel not only will we check the total cholesterol and all those other things that I've talked about, but it checks um, LP little a, all those very small, um, rare problems that run in families. So we need to check her out for those abnormalities. I just treated, um, actually she's my friend, but she's become my patient too mm -hmm. because she knows I'm a cardiologist. And her, her concern was her mother had heart disease, her father had heart right. disease, and her total cholesterol, I mean, all those numbers are good. But when I looked at her mother's cholesterol numbers, all those numbers were good, but there were some abnormality that are potentially very bad that could never be detected unless you did an advanced cardiac panel. Okay. So if you have a bad family history, I would suggest you ask for an advanced cardiac panel, looking at many different kinds of fat um, levels in your, in your blood. And is this something that should be done by a cardiologist, or can you go to your internist with your annual checkup? What do you recommend? Um, an internist, you know, it depends on your internist, if they're savvy about this, if they're really mm -hmm. into preventive cardiology, preventive medicine, mm -hmm. they may know about it. But if not, you know, they could certainly go to a cardiologist. The Heart Center for Women sees patients. I mean, we see mm -hmm. patients all the time who are just concerned, and we do these blood tests. And if you don't have heart disease, I actually don't have to see those patients. Our nurse practitioners I see. Um, can take care of them, and our nurse practitioner is just so good okay. at taking care of these people. Okay, great. Uh, next question. This is from Martha from Chesterton, Indiana. She wants to know, should women get the C-reactive protein test, or is there another test that would be better for monitoring for heart disease? Should the C-reactive protein test be done twice before conclusions are drawn, and why? And what conditions, medications could interfere with the results? Can you start by, first of all, letting our viewers know what C-reactive protein is? Okay, first of all, we want to clarify that it's the high sensitive or the cardiac CRP, C-reactive protein, because the regular C-reactive protein doesn't mean anything for the heart. It's just a general inflammatory mm -hmm. um, protein that goes up with inflammation. So what you want to know is what your HSCRP is. 
HSCRP has been studied for the last decade, um, specifically by Dr. Ritker um, from Boston, who has devoted his life to this. But basically, what he found is that it's an independent risk factor for heart disease. So it not only just looks at the blood pressure, it not only looks at the cholesterol, it looks at the inflammation of the lining of the blood vessels. Mm -hmm not just of the heart, but of the brain, the neck arteries, the kidney arteries. So it's a great way to see if you have inflammation in the lining of the arteries. If it's elevated, and that's a number of greater than three, if it's elevated, we need to really lower that number by exercising, putting them on aspirin, lowering the, lowering the cholesterol, lowering the blood pressure. So I use it actually as a gauge for how well I'm treating this patient. If it remains elevated, I gotta find something else that's causing this inflammation. So it helps me take care of my patients. It's interesting because we've, had, we've heard so much about C-reactive protein and how inflammation might be a better indicator of heart disease than cholesterol. Well, it's, a, it's another indicator. So that a lot of people who have low cholesterol may not have a cholesterol problem, but they'll still have a heart attack. Okay. The HSCRP can pick up some of those people. Okay. So it's just another way we can prevent heart disease. So should women have this test done? That was her question. Uh, you I know, it's, uh, it's been controversial wh whether everyone should have it, but I check all my patients. You, do. you just do a yeah. general overhaul, I do. The testing, I do. all the testing you possibly can. You know, I figured and these are in high-risk women? That you no, know this? not necessarily. Okay. These are women who just want to know what their risks are, and that gives me an independent risk okay. for these women. So if that's low, you know what? I can reassure them that their risk of a cardiac event mm -hmm. is very low in the next five to 10 years. And I think that really helps women be less anxious, and it gives them reassurance. Okay. Next question is from M. Little uh, from Schomburg. She says she's 35-year-old and she has, or she, heart disease runs heavily on her father's side of the family. She wants to know what type of test should I ask my doctor to do the next time I go in. I think I'm healthy on the outside, but I don't know what the inside of my body actually looks like. <laughs> and I think this is a good point to bring up something that we brought up in our special piece last night and that you had talked about when we, when we spoke for that and something that was also on Good Morning America this morning and we're seeing more of it, and that's that 64 slice CT scan. Yes, it's the new technology that um, we are very excited about. I have to say that we, have, we don't know a lot of data on this. It's a new procedure. It um, has some radiation, so we have to weigh the risks and benefits of this procedure. So I'm not going to be doing this on everybody because the risk of this uh, procedure is um, getting the same amount of radiation as about 100 chest x-rays, or the same um, radiation as an angiogram. So if you get this done, and then you get an angiogram and an angioplasty, that's a lot of radiation. So I, I really use that um, very carefully, and not everybody should have this. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great advance in our technology because it doesn't, doesn't hurt, Mm -hmm. they, they put a small IV in and then they inject the dye through there. Nobody puts catheters in your heart. Nobody puts dye in your heart. It doesn't really hurt at all. So it's a great advance in that. It shows the arteries beautifully. Mm -hmm. So it's one great technology and it's great for women because not only does it show how, whether you have blockages, it gives you a cross-section of these arteries and it will show you whether you have plaque deposition around throughout the whole arteries. And in women, you know, they deposit plaque very differently from men. So it, the angiograms sometimes are negative, but they have plaque all around. It just looks like small arteries, which is very misleading for a lot of people. It misleads the doctors, it misleads the patients, and the women are not taken care of. So this new technology will allow us to see these plaques that are depositing all throughout the blood vessel. 
And so that's why I like this technology. But it's not for everybody. It's not it for depends. everybody. Now, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, there was a st uh, study that came out that reported on this hidden heart disease in women. Yes. Um, something you've known about, yeah. but it was new in the study for a lot of people, a lot of physicians seeing this for the first time, specifically talking about the fact that uh, the plaque in women's arteries may not present itself as it does in men. So a lot of women go misdiagnosed. That's right. So um, as somebody who's maybe not feeling well, but the angiogram is showing fine and the stress test is fine, what should that person do? I think that if it's really bothering, their chest pains are really bothering and they have risk factors, I think that would be the perfect patient to have this CAT scan, okay. uh, 64 slice CT done. And for our viewers who don't know what that is, it's a very cool, I guess if you will, a 3D image yeah. uh, oh. of the heart. It's amazing what it, you can it's see. It's unbelievable. Right. It not only looks at the coronary artery, it looks at the muscle tissue, it looks at the valves. We're doing, we're starting to do a lot of studies at Rush um, looking at this for women so and men. Right. Um, so I think the future is great for this, this procedure. Okay. Uh, next question is from AHD Initials, Lake in the Hills. She says she's been diagnosed with palpitations. That was last July. The hospital did all the testing. The conclusion was arrhythmia heartbeats. Is this something I should be concerned about? There has to be something, some type of imbalance or something abnormal and why my palpitations are there. She's concerned about this and she wants to know what to do. Okay. I see a lot of women with palpitations because I'm an arrhythmia specialist. Mm -hmm. And the first and foremost, we have to make sure she doesn't have heart disease. So before I can reassure her that this is a benign problem, we need to look at an echocardiogram. We need to look at how thick her ventricle is, whether her ventricle is working right, her valves, and then if necessary, if she has risk factors, get a stress test. Now, if those are all negative, mm -hmm. then we look at other reasons. Um, coffee, a lot of people will drink lots of coffee and they'll have palpitations. Very easy to treat. I see a lot of medical students after I give a lecture on arrhythmias, they'll come to my office and actually some of them have life-threatening arrhythmias so it's a good thing I lectured to them right um, so we get those treated but you know I, I won't know unless I take care of that patient whether it's life-threatening or not but every palpitations needs to be looked into now other benign reasons are nutrition mm -hmm. they they're probably not getting enough potassium and magnesium which are two of the most very important minerals that control the heartbeats so if that is low, or if they have thyroid problems, that could make the heart beat very erratically. So she needs a full cardiac evaluation. And then it depends on her age. A woman who's going through the changes in life, going through menopause, will have more palpitations. Okay, so she's gone through the testing. It's shown that she has them. Uh, so your advice to her then is go get checked. Go get checked. Again. Um, she might need what we call an event recorder where her heart rhythm is being recorded 24 hours, seven days a week for about a month. And only when she has the palpitations will she press the button and then send it to the recording people. And then they will get in touch with the doctor if there's any life-threatening problems. Otherwise, then we just talk it over after a month and discuss what, what the problem is. Okay. So there are a lot of great technology to um, diagnose these problems. Okay. Uh, next question is from Kathy. She's from Downers Grove. She says she had a heart scan in 2004. It showed no plaque. I have had elevated cholesterol for years. I'm overweight, but exercising and eating carefully and have heart disease and stroke in my family. What direction do I need to go in now and who should I see? I am a single mother of a young teenager, so I need to make sure I'm healthy not only for myself, but also for her. This is so typical of a lot of my patients. They really are very concerned about their health because they want to be around for their children, right. as you and I both Absolutely. are. We're both great mothers, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we want to be around for them and we want to be healthy for them because we don't want anybody taking care of us because mm -hmm. we like to take care of people. So she has very good concern with her family history. She needs to be fully evaluated for her risks. And she needs to be exercising and eating the right things and making sure her cholesterol levels are all right. So she has a reason to go to either a preventive cardiologist 
or her internist who should be you know vigilant about what all her risk factors are okay now she said she had that heart scan done in 2004 let's talk about heart scans because mm, this may okay. be something she might be interested in what is your feeling about those because okay. there was a time when they were really hot weren't they they were yeah. being advertised continuously now she's in her 40s right she let's see did she give her age she did not give her age no okay yes. now the heart scan which just looks at calcium in the arteries is not good for women unless they're over 50 because the soft plaques are not detected it's only the hard plaques that build calcium that can be detected so it could be very misleading mm -hmm. so men in their 40s can have it women in their 50s can have it but if you're under that age it may not it may not show anything it's a very simple test it's not expensive but it doesn't give you all the the things that you really need to know so is it worth it so at this point I'm not sure mm -hmm. um, I think it's a good test if somebody is on the fence whether they should lower their cholesterol to less than 70 or just to less than 130 I think it might be a good test to make that decision okay. so sometimes I use it to convince a patient that they're already have they already have calcium and they I need to get their LDL lower than 70 to um, prevent their first heart attacks hmm. okay uh, here's a question from Eleanor. She's from Wheeling, and she says, where exactly are chest pains for heart attacks? I feel things in my left breast and sometimes under. I know I should be checked at the doctor, but I wonder if it can be pinpointed somewhat. I hear different things. Not sure if you can be specific. Is it mostly in the center of your chest? Is it a certain kind of pain? Is it a shooting pain? Is it a, a throbbing pain? And then she asks, if it goes away in a few minutes, does that mean it isn't heart? If the pain goes away after taking aspirin, does that mean that it's not my heart? And then she says, I know, I should go see a doctor, but I wanted to ask you. <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, it could be very vague where these chest pains can be felt. Some people feel it in the center of their chest. Some people feel it in the left side, under the breast. So yes to all of those questions. Okay. It could mean uh, something is wrong, mm -hmm. but it could also be a, a very benign problem, such as costochondritis. If you press on these people's chest and mm -hmm. it mimics the chest pain, it most likely is not heart okay. disease. Um, but especially if it comes and goes, right. and especially if it's brought on by exertion, that's worrisome. Okay. I would get that patient checked. You know, I get a feeling from reading a lot of these uh, questions, uh, women want they just want an answer. Can you just tell me, how do I know if I'm having a heart attack? Or how do I know if I'm having heart problems? You, can you just know by feeling it in a certain area? Um, good question. Um, you know, we are spending billions of dollars on ER visits because there's been a lot of talk about chest pain and make sure you're not having a heart attack. And we're inundated with people complaining of chest pain. And, you know, I don't want to mislead anybody. Mm -hmm. I think the best thing to do is to everybody should know their bodies everybody should know what kind of pain they're having whether it's relieved by you know belching whether it's relieved by just taking a deep breath um, you know there are many different kinds of chest pains but if you have risk factors I mean this is what I would like to impart to everybody mm -hmm. if you have any risk factors such as high blood pressure high cholesterol family history diabetes especially if you're a diabetic especially if you smoke cigarettes, you need to get it checked out. And don't go running to the emergency room for every little chest pain. You need to go to a doctor who will listen to you and help you lower your risk factors. There's really no easy way, is There's there? There's no just, yeah. easy way, unfortunately. Okay, next question is from Linda. She is from Evanston. She said she had an angiogram because of heart palpitations. I've also experienced anxiety attacks. My angiogram showed that everything was fine, the arteries were clear, but I still have palpitations. Is this possibly due to stress? Yes, stress is probably one of the most common causes of palpitations. Um, it's unavoidable. It's a normal physiologic response of the heart. It's like when you get excited, your heart beats faster. Mm -hmm. But if it's uncomfortable, then you need to get it checked out. If it's not a normal sensation of your heart just beating faster, like after drinking coffee or after running, you know, if it's, if it's happening without any provocation, then you need to get it checked out. But if it's just the normal palpitations because you drank a little too much coffee, mm -hmm. You know, avoid that coffee, or avoid drinking that much coffee, or avoid this. That part of your life needs to be modified so that it's not causing you so much anxiety and palpitations. Okay. I know it's easier 
to right. say than to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, next, Catherine from Chicago. She says she's ha uh, been diagnosed with hypertension and diabetes. She's borderline. And she says, is there such a thing as borderline? But she says, uh, with women having different symptoms than men, should they see a female doctor such as yourself instead of a male doctor? And we had actually quite a few women ask that question. I think that I have to give you the, the percentages, <laughs> so it's really hard. Um, there are 7% female cardiologists in Illinois, and the rest, 93% are males. So there is no way those 7% of female cardiologists can see more than half the population. So I am really begging those male cardiologists to really know more about women and heart disease because you know what? They can't rely on what they learned in medical school. It's just not appropriate anymore. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of male cardiologists out there that are practicing like it's the 1980s. And we need to wake them up. Mm -hmm. So it might go just like OB-GYN went, that more women are demanding female gynecologists. Mm -hmm. um, I would like there to be a lot more female cardiologists, but I think that the male cardiologists really need to be you know, paying more attention to, the, to their female patients. There are a lot of great male cardiologists, mm -hmm. and a lot of them are my partners. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think there are a lot of male cardiologists that can very well take care of them. But, and, and this is a good time, I think, to bring this up. Um, one of the things we have found in interviewing women, and one of the things you see every day in your practice, is women who have gone to cardiologists and they've been told it's indigestion, don't worry about it, go, go about your life. Uh, how big of a role should a woman play in her own health care when you're being told by your doctor, who knows this is his specialty, you know, not to worry about it, move on? I say you have to listen to your heart. Literally. Literally. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you feel that there's something there and your doctor is telling you it's all in your head, which a lot of women are told, the, the women who come to the Heart Center mm -hmm. for Women are often told that, and that's why they come to the Heart Center for Women, because they want to be listened to better. Um, you got to pursue this. You are your own advocate. You are the one who's going to suffer the most if you have a heart attack and your children or your family will suffer the most. So you have to be your own advocate. Um, so pursue it. And so it's okay to go to another doctor. Oh, absolutely. I welcome you encourage you know, those it. people. Yeah, no, I do encourage it. Okay. Here's a question from uh, Denise from Lake Zurich. And Denise, uh, your question was, was a little long, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of just summarize, condense it. And I think the bottom line is uh, she suffers from something called hormonal anxiety attacks. She wants to know if your home hormones play a role in heart conditions, problematic. Hormones, um, female hormones are very important in regulating the whole body. So the heart is a natural um, thing that it would affect. We used to believe that the estrogen protected women's hearts and that's why we didn't get heart attacks until after menopause. I think that's changing now because mm -hmm. women are smoking more, they're getting obese and they have diabetes and that has really changed the the way women are presenting. They're not just presenting in their 50s and 60s, they're presenting at 30s mm -hmm. and 40s. We have a woman who, in her 30s who have severe heart disease and she's not doing well after her surgery. Mm -hmm. So she may very well pass away from this problem in her 30s of heart disease, wow. from the coronary artery disease. And there are so many different diseases that women have that we haven't even touched on that affect women and that's why they're dying of heart disease more than men because we just don't know enough about them. So we need to do a lot more research on this. But getting back to the question of hormones, we were, I think, misled by the observational studies mm -hmm. that the women who were taking hormone replacement therapy were doing better than the women who weren't. Mm -hmm. And those observational, those observational studies showed that the women actually who were taking hormone replacement therapy were taking more aspirin, they were exercising more, they paid t better care of their health than the women who weren't. So that's why they did well. Mm -hmm. So when we did the randomized study where we gave women who are not having symptoms of, of um, menopause hormone replacement therapy and versus placebo, we found that the women who were on hormone replacement therapy had more heart attacks, more strokes, more blood clots, and more breast cancer. It totally changed the way we took care of women. So now we don't mm -hmm. routinely give 
hormone replacement mm -hmm. therapy to all women after menopause. So it really changed the way we take care of and, patients. and it's so frightening for women who were on it. And I think yes. people get frustrated because they hear these medical studies every day that say one thing and the next day they say something else. But the Women's Heart Initiative really changed the way we look at uh, women and uh, health. And I think maybe if you want to uh, address that, that now there are more studies being done on women and that's why some of the things that we thought were the mainstream are changing, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think there were some wonderful women in Washington who demanded that they, they saw the trend that now women are dying of heart disease much more than men. Since 1984, that's happened, and, and that gap is just getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And I think we were complacent in the 1980s that maybe it was just a fluke, but now this is two decades later, and it's even worse than ever. So about five years ago, a lot of these women demanded that the National Institutes of Health pay more careful attention to women, and that's when all these studies started, and, mm -hmm. and it has really helped us tremendously. Okay. We still have not seen that gap um, be smaller, mm -hmm. so we, that's why we're doing this, right, right, right Sylvia, and that's Absolutely. why we need, this is not something we can just ignore. We need to do this if we have to tell these women every day mm -hmm. that their number one risk is heart disease, hopefully it will help close that gap. Okay. And Here, it'll go down for both. Here's a good question. This is from Jan. She's from Winthrop Harbor, Illinois. She says, in 2004, she was hospitalized because her cardiologist believed she was about to have a heart attack. Later, she says, I was told I had not had a heart attack, but they did call it a cardiac event. An arrhythmia was documented within a few months during treadmill exercise and subsequent EKG testing. One question I have is, just what is a cardiac event? And also, I worry that if I exercise, will the arrhythmia become pronounced and cause another cardiac event? Okay, a cardiac event is a ge very general term. Mm -hmm. It could mean a stroke, actually, a cardiovascular event. Um, could be a stroke, it could be a TIA, those transient ischemic attacks, like mm -hmm. what we call mini strokes. It comes and goes. Um, or an arrhythmia, sudden cardiac death, which could be fatal. We consider that a cardiac event. It could be your first and last. Okay. A heart attack could be a cardiac event. So it's a heart attack is just one of many cardiac events. An arrhythmia, you know, if you have palpitations, those are cardiac events. But serious cardiac events are heart attacks, strokes, or sudden cardiac death. Okay. Um, here's a question from Susan. She's from Zion, and she says, most heart attack discussions focus on arterial blockage. Are there heart attacks caused by damage to the heart from years of chronic stress or anxiety? If so, how might those symptoms differ? Well, I think this is what we were addressing before with the blockages in women, that they're often not detected. And there's been a lot of press about heart disease not being detected in women. And this is exactly what we're talking about, that mm -hmm. these plaques are concentric. They're throughout the whole blood vessel, and it doesn't protrude into the lumen into the opening of the artery so that the doctors don't realize that there's blockages there. Mm -hmm. It's just not evident. So, and then there are other causes besides blockages, such as spasm um, in women. It's much more common. And there's something called syndrome X that is much more prevalent in women. They have chest pain, abnormal stress tests, normal angiograms. And again, I think it's going to come down to the fact that we just don't detect these artery blockages. But there are people who have spasm. Um, and interestingly, people who use cocaine will ha can have a severe heart attack from use of cocaine because of spasm. And those people have to be treated very differently because some of the routine treatment that we give to heart attack patients could actually worsen their spasm. So we need to be very careful when we ask, when somebody's coming in with a heart attack to make sure that they're not on cocaine because it could be a totally disa total disaster if we treat them the same way. Now you had a patient that we met when we came in and we featured her on our six o'clock news yes. yesterday. Uh, she was somebody who was an example, no history of heart disease, no family members, nothing, yet she uh, had heart palpitations. She had a heart attack at the age of 36. That's right. Um, and how much did stress play a factor in that? I think that was her only risk factor, actually. And, um, you know, she's thin, she's young, she exercises, so there was no other 
reason why she should have had, she had a very stressful job, stressful family situation with mm -hmm. her job, and so she changed her life completely. She quit her um, mm -hmm. legal, um, she was a lawyer, she quit her job as a lawyer, and I think she's just feeling so much better. I think mm -hmm. we don't realize that stress right. plays a huge impact. That's on what it. I wanted to bring up, because for a lot of women who may be at work and they're watching this right now, how, what difference can a stressful job make? when it comes to heart disease and you don't think I have to worry about it because I have no family history but I have an extremely stressful job right. how does that put me at the higher risk oh well it's you know a lot of the um, complaints about the framing risk evaluation has been um, because women are not evaluated the right way they don't if they don't um, put in metabolic syndrome which is caused a lot of times by overeating and stress stress mm -hmm. causes, can cause metabolic syndrome um, stress plays a huge factor. I mean, it can cause a sudden increase in your blood pressure, sudden increase in your adrenaline level, so that you could have spasm, you could have all these bad things, sudden cardiac death. It can play a huge role. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think your body is telling you there's something wrong if you're starting to feel these symptoms. You, you need to make some life changes, and you have to make it a priority that your body's telling you you're stressed out, you gotta listen. Right. Okay, here's the question we actually addressed earlier, but uh, I'm going to read this to you. This is from Bree from Frankfurt, and she says, what question should I be asking my doctor about this new technology, the 64-slice CT scanner? Is this a screening, and if I have family history of heart disease, my father had a heart attack at 50, and I am in my late 40s, my cholesterol is okay, the HDL is 55, the LDL is 150, I exercise three days a week, I try to eat healthy, and I could lose 15 pounds, but is this something I should consider? I really feel pretty good, but I'm trying to prevent any problems. Where is this technology, and how do I find out about it? I, I don't think this patient really needs to get that 64-slice CT. I think that she's addressing her risk factors, and that's, mm -hmm. that's all you're going to do anyway after you get the 64-slice CT. If it says she has some blockages, we're going to mm -hmm. do exactly what we're doing already. Okay. So my advice, my general advice, would be if you're going to make a change in the way your life is now, mm -hmm. then it might make sense to do it. So let's say you want to lower that cholesterol. Should I lower it? Should I take this medicine, the statins, that have minimal side effects? And I would, I would really advise people not to be scared of taking statins. Mm -hmm. It could save their lives. And, and this is one other thing that I need to emphasize to women. I think part of the problem that women are not studied well is because women don't like to be studied. Mm -hmm. They're not enrolling for these studies. It takes me so long to convince a woman to be in a study than t for me to convince a man. Really? So we need to be less reluctant to be in studies. Why do you think that is? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Right. I really encourage women mm -hmm. to participate in these studies because it can really help not just themselves but their daughters. Think about their Think daughters. About your children and yes. Your, yes. And their, you know, loved ones. We need to help each other out. Okay. Uh, here's a question from Carmen at Riverdale. Uh, here's her statistics she sent to you. She, her triglycerides are 289, Ooh, cholesterol 215. Her last blood pressure was 160 over 99. This is pressure in the left quadrant. Tell her to make an appointment. <laughs> Immediately, right? Right. She says, there's pressure in the left quadrant of my upper chest going from the top of my shoulder to the mid chest. I've had a regular stress test and it showed nothing. What should I do? And okay. she says, I was also told I had GERD which is the gastroesophageal okay. reflux disease. This is a typical woman that has been misinformed. Okay. And there are many of them. A stress test does not rule out coronary artery disease. And please, tell your doctors that, okay? Mm -hmm. A stress test will only identify severe blockages. Most heart attacks happen in blockages that are 30 to 40% blocked. So a stress test mm -hmm. will not identify those patients who have 30% or 40% blocked. So this woman is at very high risk. Mm -hmm. I would consider her risk of a heart attack or stroke in the next five years to be about 20%. She definitely needs risk modification. She needs her LDL lowered, she needs her triglycerides lo lowered, and she needs her blood pressure lowered. Mm -hmm. She needs to, to be seen aggressive, she needs to be treated aggressively. And soon. And soon, yeah. Um, it, while we're talking about blood pressure, what's the ideal blood pressure right now? 
because that's changed. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. An ideal blood pressure would probably be less than 115 over 70, which is very hard to do because mm -hmm. blood pressure normally goes up as we get older. And what we do is try to turn back the hands of time by lowering that blood pressure because it's a normal aging process. Cholesterol goes up, blood pressure goes up, and that's eventually how we die. Mm -hmm. But we're all trying to live for as long as possible. As long as we have a good life, why mm -hmm. not? So we're really trying to turn back the hands of time. So what's an ideal blood pressure? We know that anything above 115 over 75 is high. We're not going to treat you. Mm -hmm. We're not going to put you on medications because we have to weigh the risks and benefits of medications. But you want to get lower, as low as possible. Um, what's the ideal number? Um, I say as low as possible, as long as you're not dizzy or lightheaded. Okay. So I wish I could get there, but right. it's hard. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's a question from Donna from Chicago. She says, is there a heart specialist or center that would accept Illinois Medicaid insurance? I'm approaching 40 years old and I haven't had a physical or a heart checkup. I'm considered morbidly obese and I need okay. help. She does need help. And public aid should be accepted by a lot of hospitals. Um, there's no reason why she shouldn't be. There, there may be some private practices that don't accept public aid, but certainly we, we um, see patients with public aid um, in the Heart Center for Women. Okay, so just try to go to the hospital and find out if they, yeah. okay. Uh, here's Cheryl from Chicago. She says, um, I think she's saying she has pressure on her chest, like something is sitting on her chest. Mm. Uh, she says, changing positions or vomiting doesn't help, nor does Tums or a leave, and her EKG is fine. What gives? That is a typical symptom of a heart attack, or what we call angina. Angina is chest pain that is caused by lack of blood flow to the heart muscle. So that is like a symptom before a heart attack. So this is your warning sign that you may have a heart attack in the near future. So she needs to be evaluated very soon. Um, here's Zelda from Chicago. She says she thinks she has indigestion and she wakes up feeling full most of the time with a sensation of something being stuck in my throat. Since I am not a big eater, she's 114 pounds, she's 50 years old and a non-smoker, she wants to know if this could be a heart problem. She says she had an EKG, she has an EKG, she has had an EKG and physical every year. Okay, again, risk factors. If you have risk factors, definitely get it checked out. If you don't have risk factors, you know, you probably need to have that looked at by your internist to see if you need uh, an esophagus chest. Okay, here's but another similar question, and it kind of goes strange, with, yeah. this is Carol from Chicago. She says sometimes when she starts taking a walk, she feels slight pressure on her chest, and then she feels like she has to, has to belch. She says, is this a stomach or a heart problem? I think a lot of these people are asking you, I've got these little things going yeah. on, when do I need to worry about this? Yeah, risk factors. Always know what your risk factors are. If you have risk factors, you need to be much more aggressively evaluated. If you don't have risk factors, you could probably take your time and, and mm -hmm. see what's going on with your stomach or your esophagus. But what I always tell my patients and what the gastroenterologists at Rush know very well is that if there's any question, if it's the stomach or the heart, the heart goes first. Okay. Because you could die from a heart problem. You don't usually die from GERD or mm -hmm. you know, esophagus, esophagus right. problems. You said something when we spoke that uh, we used in our piece last night, and I thought that was so important, and that's that women really need to know their body, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You need to know what's going on so you can express it to your doctor. This is not right, and you can insist that there's something wrong, and you need to be your own advocate. Okay, here's a question from Maria from Batavia. She says, is it normal for your heart to skip a beat and take your breath away? I'm 22 years old, and to me, this doesn't seem normal. So she wants to know if that's something she should be worried about. Okay, now she's 22 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked this question because a lot of times we focus on just heart disease as blockages of the arteries mm -hmm. of the heart. I have a lot of young patients who have no blockages, but they have so many other heart disease, such as mitral valve prolapse, much more common in women than in men. This is an abnormality of the mitral valve. They have floppy valves. It can cause a lot of different palpitations, chest pains. So this could be um, a diagnosis that she might have. People have holes in their hearts, what we call PFOs and ASDs. And if she's 22 and she has an ASD, this is the right time to get it checked out 
very interestingly, mm -hmm. if you have an ASD or atrial septal defect, which is a hole in the heart, it needs to be closed before you're 25 years old so that you will do as well as somebody who never had that problem. We looked at this. There's a study that looked at ASDs repaired before 25 years old. They live just as long as somebody who didn't have it. But if you have it close after 25 years old, you do much worse. So it's a good time to get it checked out. If, if it doesn't feel right, go have it checked out because there are diseases that we want to take care of before she gets a little bit older. Heart tumors, there are such a thing as heart tumors. And I have a young patient that um, was at that Go Red for Women and I, I love her dearly. She was pregnant that at the time when her heart tumor was discovered. So she needed heart surgery while she was pregnant. And now the wow. baby's doing great, the mom's doing great, and she's just great. Wow. Pretty scary. It is. Um, okay, here's a question from M. Little, Schaumburg, Illinois. She says, her mother recently went to the doctor and was told that her heart was beating too slow, which is not normal. Mm -hmm. They're going to be putting a heart monitor on her for 24 hours to monitor her heart. What type of questions should we ask the doctor? What are they looking for? She's a 69-year-old female. Heart disease runs on my father's side of the family, but not on hers. Okay. Um, first of all, if she's 69 years old, mm -hmm. she absolutely has to have ischemia or um, coronary artery disease ruled out mm -hmm. because she's at the right age where she would have blockages. And this could be a normal aging process and it has nothing to do with blockages in the arteries of her heart. Some people, as we get older, our hearts just don't beat the right way anymore and a lot of people will need a pacemaker. Very simple procedure in the right hands. It should be no problem at all and it will let her live for a long, long time. Okay. Uh, here's a question, Karen from uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas, believe it or not. She says she experienced two heart attacks and a triple bypass surgery at 44 years of age. I'm a non-smoker, I exercise, but I'm still considered obese. I had a heart catheter two years ago, but still feel like I'm having some of the similar symptoms as the first heart attack. The heart cath was normal. Should I be concerned about my symptoms? Yes. Um, if she's already had a heart attack and she um, is still obese, first of all, she needs to do something about that. You know, that's her responsibility. Um, and you know we can only tell her that, but she has to make that change because that is a, a, a problem. But she might actually benefit from that 64 slice CT. If those angiograms are normal and um, she's still having some, some symptoms, it might be that she has those blockages that are concentric that are throughout the blood vessel. Okay. So she might be somebody I would do. But she needs medications. She needs something to control the chest pain. Nobody should be living with chest pain on a daily basis. Right. Okay. Uh, here's Cindy from Beach Park, Illinois. She says she'd like to find a support group in her area. She's 37 years old. She just had quadruple bypass after mm. having a, a stress test done. And she wants to know about support groups, which I have to tell you, Dr. Voldemort, there are not a lot of them out there right now, are there? There aren't. And like you said, mm -hmm. I think it's really the patients who need to do this. Um, the doctors can help. We can be their medical advisor. But it's really, um, it's really, you know, up to them whether they mm -hmm. they need help, and they can get the, these people together. Now, I should let Cindy know that we did profile one support group in our um, special report last night at 10 o'clock. So, Cindy, if you go to the website and look for the story that we ran last night, um, there is a support group. It's in Aurora. I don't know how far Beach Park is from that, but um, I have to tell you, the um, internet is also a great support. Mm -hmm. um, it has great support groups. So if she wants to just um, do it that way, just look up support group. There's the womenheart.org, right. and sh they c she could be linked onto those women support groups. And that's also on our website, too, so oh, anyone wants to do right. that. So, Okay, this is from Mary from Chicago. She says, are there scans like the scans that you do for bone density that would track the development of plaque in postmenopausal women for the peripheral arteries as well as main arteries? Yeah, I think the 64 slice CT okay. is that, but like I said, the radiation dose might be too much to be doing it on a regular basis. Okay, here's um, from someone in Hammond. She said, last fall for weeks I was extremely weak and had no appetite. I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. She says, I thought high blood pressure had no symptoms. I am finally better with medicine, but I'm still concerned with the fact that I was so weak. Is that normal? What are the symptoms of high blood pressure? Um, high blood pressure can be asymptomatic, but a lot of patients actually do feel better once their blood pressure is treated. So yeah, fatigue is one of them, mm -hmm. um, lack of energy, 
headaches. Headaches are very common or just not feeling well. Um, if she has not had an echocardiogram, she should have that done um, because it could cause, high blood pressure can cause what we call diastolic dysfunction. And, and I'm glad you brought this up mm -hmm. because 62.5% of heart failure deaths are in women. So there are a lot more women dying of heart failure than men. And partly, the heart failure that we see in women are what we call diastolic dysfunction, whereas men have more systolic dysfunction. We still don't know how to treat diastolic dysfunction. We know how to treat systolic, we're good, really good at treating systolic dysfunction, but we're not good enough at treating diastolic dysfunction, and that's what women are dying of. So, especially if she has high blood pressure, this may be causing diastolic dysfunction, and that's heart failure. And a lot, of, a lot of patients are being told they have no heart disease when their hearts are very strong, but they don't relax. Their hearts are not relaxing. That's heart failure, and they need to be treated for that. And that's another thing that is misleading in women, is that they have diastolic dysfunction, and that's the relaxation property of the heart. Okay. Here's a question from Val from Chicago. She says, I have experienced dizziness, lightheadedness, swimming sensation for the past eight weeks. The time span goes on from onset to maybe two and a half hours. I don't want to overreact. Uh, could the weight gain that I've experienced over the past six months have something to do with it? And she says that she will see us tomorrow. She plans to attend the National Women's Heart Day at the Merchandise March tomorrow. All right, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, she definitely um, needs to um, look at her heart risk factors. You know, if she's Got, if she's gotten heavy, she needs to get her blood pressure checked and her cholesterol checked because I, I, I'm sure they, they may have changed. Okay. Uh, here's Stacy from Aurora. She says, several times a week, I experience what feels like a lump in my chest or indigestion. I've talked with my doctor about this before, and he suggests that it is indigestion. I brought it to his attention a second time, and he prescribed Pepsid for acid reflux disease. When taking the daily dose of Pepsid, the symptoms are less noticeable. However, they still exist. Should I be concerned? How old is she? She did not give an age. Okay. Um, again, it boils down to your risk factors. If you have okay. the risk factors, and I, let me say those again. Yeah, I think it's worth repeating. Cigarette smoking, diabetes, if you have those two risk factors, they increase your risk of sudden cardiac death. So those are two very important risk factors, mm -hmm. especially for women. Diabetes is such a bad risk factor. High blood pressure, high cholesterol, and family history if you have any of those risk factors. And then the other risk factors are stress, obesity, metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome is actually something we haven't talked about. Yeah, you and should we define need, what that is because you and I know. We need to talk about but. that. Um, metabolic syndrome actually will give you a much higher risk of heart disease than just obesity. So what's metabolic syndrome? It's a syndrome of many different things. But the most important is your waist size. If you're a woman, and your waist is over 35 inches, a man over 40 inches, you may have the start of metabolic syndrome. If your blood pressure, so, so first of all, it's important to know what your waist size is. Okay. If your waist is over 35 inches, then you have to look at your blood pressure. If your blood pressure is over 135 or over 85, you have another um, risk. If you have three out of the five risks, you've got metabolic syndrome, that puts you at a very high risk. So waist size, blood pressure, um, high triglycerides, triglycerides over 150, and low HDL. If you're a woman, your HDL should be over 50. If it's not, then you're at risk. And then um, what else? You did waist um, and triglycerides. Waist. Um, um, measurements, you were the waist. Um, and metabolic syndrome does not necessarily, uh, your, your weight is not necessarily the... the uh, That's right. No, BMI, yes. Yes. Um, it's called the body mass index. Right. Thank you for mm -hmm. measuring <laughs> uh, weight. Um, body mass index takes into account your height and weight. So that we're hearing tall, more and more about. Yeah. Right? If you're tall, you, you're given a little more weight, which is good. And mm -hmm. if you're short like me, um, you have very little leeway mm -hmm. in your weight. So your body mass index is very important. If it's over 30, you're at risk. You're considered obese, you're at risk. Okay, we are running out of time. We have so many questions. But if you could leave our viewers with any one message, if they remember nothing else we have spoken about, 
what's the last thing you want to get across? Physical activity. That is probably the best thing they can do for themselves. It really lowers the risk of so many different diseases. So if you're not exercising, and I, I don't want to even use the word exercise because it scares people. If you're not physically active, start moving. The best way to start is by walking. Mm -hmm. 15 minutes a day if you haven't started, or 30 minutes a day is your goal for five to six days a week. So your goal is 150 to 180 minutes a week. Start moving, get going now. Okay, and we want to let our viewers know, don't do anything without first checking with your personal doctor, okay? We just tried to offer this to you as a way to get some questions answered, but everybody should go see their own doctor. Dr. Volgman, thank you so much. You're I think welcome. it was very informative. And uh, for people who'd like to see this again or, or want to show them to family members or friends, this will be available on podcast and video on demand on our website. And you can find more information about Dr. Vogman and the Rush University Medical Center on our website. I have a feeling you're going to be hearing from a lot of people. Thank you again. I'm happy to help them. Thank you. And this was our first webcast, and hopefully we will be having more. So we want to thanks, uh, thank everyone for joining us. See you